Okay, let's talk about blockchain, everyone. Welcome. This is a SingerVL Lucid Ocean joint hangout. We normally do these Google Hangouts, as people probably know. But actually, what today we're going to do, we're going to do a webinar. And the reason we're doing a webinar is because we thought it would be nice to make this very interactive. So let's introduce who's talking to you. And, um, and I'll show, hopefully, show people how they can interact. So people hopefully know me, Neil Singer, Singer VL, and Click to Purchase, and um, leading online commercial investment agency, according to others, not just me. And Jonathan, who is, is uh, my friend from South Africa, a leading programmer, what I call technician, Technician. Te you, technician. You, you, oh, we've got many what, names, right? What do you call yourself? At the moment, I call myself a software architect. I design software. We build software. Um, I've got a software house here in, in Cape Town. Uh, we've got a team that builds all kinds of software. So from programmer, yeah, that's how I started life, uh, to now just designing and, and coding a little less. But yeah, all, all words. Technician, I've never heard. That, that's no, more hardware, I think. Is it hardware? Yeah. All right. Okay. And, to, and uh, what, I, what we're going to do today is we're going to tell you about um, blockchain. I'll give you a bit of background about how I got into it and how Jonathan and I have come to work together, which I think people find interesting. The thing to point out to everybody who is watching is this is interactive. So you should be able to see on your screen that you can ask questions. And if you ask a question whilst we're going through things, we'll get a little pop up. So we'll try and answer. And equally, there's a little chat area. So if you want to make a comment in relation to what we're saying, again, please, please um, get involved because I personally find this whole blockchain area extremely fascinating. I'm a real blockchain bore when it comes to dinner parties and um, I love it. I love it. I find it really fascinating. And, and just to give you the background, actually, so I got into... I suppose, um, prop tech 12 years ago when I started to do videos of properties that we were selling at SingerVL and um, went online with a website. It's amazing to think that only 12 years ago, no one had websites. We had websites um, from 2006 onwards. And then in 2009, we had this idea of how you, can you execute a property sale online? And we came up with the concept of click to purchase, which we built for our agency. And then I met Jonathan, I think, what, three years ago, Jonathan, is it? Is it three years yes. ago? And Jonathan helped us move things forward dramatically. And we launched version two of click to purchase a couple of years ago. And then Jonathan introduced me to blockchain. I remember actually specifically, Jonathan, when you said to me, you said to me one day, I must introduce you to this thing called blockchain. And it took me months to get my head around it. And then... January last year, on a call, we said, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. Mm. So what we mm. did in our business is we then built blockchain for click-to-purchase, and we launched in October, and we had a tremendous amount of publicity off the back of it. It's been great. And people are, I would say people are now very interested. And to show you, actually, how the world has changed, I'm gonna, let's try our first poll, because I think this is quite interesting. I'm going to start our first poll. So you should now be able to see on screen something that says, when did you first hear the term blockchain? And if people answer that, whilst I'm sort of giving you some background as carrying on, I mean, I've seen a tremendous change in the 
level of interest in prop tech in the last two years, but it is nothing compared to this tidal wave of interest that's come in on blockchain in the mm. last six months. Um, so looking at this poll, look, 53 out of 65 have voted. Don't be shy, everyone. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. But if you see, okay, and so let me, we're nearly there. Anyone going to vote? Anyone more voting? We've got, we've got a few more. All right, let's end the, let's just show you, let's just publish this. Everyone can see where we're up to. So look, what's interesting is it's very much what I thought. Mm. Only 35% of people had heard about blockchain over a year ago. And of course, 2009 is, that's really when we were first introduced to Bitcoin and it, it assimilates and distributes itself. But I think in the last three, four years, we've really had a marketing push, haven't we? So you definitely would have heard about it probably a couple of years back, I would think. Well, I, I mean, I hadn't heard about it until you and I started talking. It's just about yeah. two years ago, actually. So I suppose the tech, tech roles might have heard about it, but longer than that. So, so it's impressive, 35% over 12 months, definitely. But you can see how most hadn't. And I think that's mm. the point. And, I th and so the, 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 what, what I've seen is this dramatic change. This, I would say the pace of interest is increasing. So that's really why, why we've gone into it. And we've actually um, created a great use for blockchain technology and property. So that's where we've got to. Let, I think, let me go through from the property side. In fact, what we, one of the reasons I thought this would be very interesting for people watching, I hope they find it interesting. And like I said, please do make comments, is I can talk from a property professional point of view as a user, and, and I can ask, answer any questions relating to the property side of transactions. Jonathan is, is the genius when it comes to building blockchain. I hate it when you say that. <laughs> well, I, didn't say, I, I didn't say I was the genius. I, I, can, answer, oh, I can answer I'm, some I'm technical bit, questions. Yeah. Okay, so let me, okay, I'll, let me, what I always like to do when I first start talking about um, blockchain is I'm going to go through, let's go through what happens in the house buying process. I always think this is actually quite an interesting way to start. So if you think who's involved in the house buying process. So the first of all, you've got a seller. And then I'm like, let's count together how many people are involved. You've got a seller, then you've got an agent and you've probably got two agents that are appointed. And then you're probably listed on a portal and you're probably listed on two portals, you know, Zoopla and Rightmoves, so you're up to five. Then, then you market your property and a buyer comes along and the buyer calls his mortgage company. So we're up to seven people now. And the, um, the seller solicitor then goes off to put the legal package together and gets the deeds. And the buyer appoints a solicitor and meanwhile, the buyer also goes along and finds a mortgage broker. So we're up to 10 people now. And the mortgage broker then goes to find a bank. The bank then has to appoint their own solicitor. You get a valuer to come in and do a valuation. Um, the buyer has got his own bank account, so he's using his bank. Um, the buyer's solicitor has got a bank account because the money will transfer into the solicitor's bank account in due course. And the buyer's solicitor's bank account will transfer the, the money across to the seller's solicitor's bank account who sends it on to the seller's bank account the contract's exchanged it then gets recorded at the land registry oh, and by the way you've got searches you've got the local authority search you've got the water search you've got the electricity company maybe a highway so all in all i mean i add up to 22 people so 22 people are involved in the process of buying a property now what people are saying is that blockchain will remove all this. It, what it will do is it will 
remove the, reduce the number of people involved in the process. And, the, and without going into the technical side of it, is mm. I, I, I always say that, and this, I've learned this from you, Jonathan, that blockchain is really quite simple. Blockchain is a database, but it's one which is secure and it's immutable, and which means it, it doesn't need to be checked. And because it doesn't need to be checked, it can be relied upon. And because it can be relied upon, you don't need third-party intermediaries involved in the process. Well, I think, I think all the actors that you've just mentioned now involved in this process, I mean, what it adds up to is, is a lot of forms. I mean, if you really look at it pragmatically, you know, it's, it's communication of data across. And whether you've got, you know, to trust people, you've got to trust forms, you've got to trust data. Um, the, the amount of data that, that's in the world right now, whether it, you're talking to a bank, whether you want to change a bank, whether you want to move or do a transaction, we're just in this, this realm of paperwork, aren't we? And um, so it's not so much that um, blockchain would remove any of that. It's not so much that um, you can stop trusting you know, your lender or stop trusting and put, you know, you just shift what you trust. So blockchain is, is shifting, instead of relying on an institution, it's, it's trusting in blockchain as a technology. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, have I pressed? So, have I pressed? Ah, who's made a comment? We have a comment. How receptive the land registry to blockchain? Okay, so, so far as I'm aware, they are busy looking at blockchain because they want to tokenize, which I think we can come on to later, actually. I can, if I may. Um, Ma many I'll, territories I'll... around the world are involved, aren't they? Yeah. With, there's a... with experimentation. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few, um, there's a few, I think um, Sweden are leading it. There's a, uh, there's a, I think it's, a, there's, I think Chicago, I think there's a, in a Chicago local authority have started to record on blockchain. But the land registry, the key to where we've got to and how far we can go is limited to when the land registry actually start tokenizing and getting their act together. The thing is, the deeds, the deeds office is really just a small, if you think about it, a small part, or, albeit a root um, or the, the nugget in the center of everything. It's still really a small part. How you move data around documentation, ownership, you know, currencies, things like that. There's a, and all the actors we've just mentioned, there's so much in that workflow that just to say that the deeds office is the begin all of it um, is, is sort of belittling the rest of the technology and the requirements that we have. Blockchain can cover, uh, as we can see just now, it will cover a whole pile of, of workflow areas in this in the property industry not uh, for, and, and that's what we're doing in click to purchase is the exchange side and the order trail yeah i think uh, what i'd like to, what i like to do if i may is i'd like to just give you my explanation of how blockchain works because i find this is a way that people understand it this is from a non-technical point of view and then jonathan you jump in and, and say if i've done anything wrong but what the first thing I just want to show everyone before I give you my explanation, which does seem to work actually, is I'd like to just show people what a hash is. I'm going to just share with you my screen. This is a hash generator. And um, what, what, it, what this means, and tell me if I made any mistakes here, misled people, Jonathan. Sure. It creates a unique string in relation to data that's inputted. It's an algorithm. So I've put in here the word, this webinar is great. And you can, if you can see everyone, the actual identification that comes out says 461A4. 
4.4. And if I change this very slightly, if I put a full stop on the end, it changes completely. It changes to 55A7D. So what a hash generator does, it's the tiniest change to a hash generator changes the output. Now, the way I like to describe blockchain to people um, is as follows, is imagine 100 pieces of data in a row. You've got a, a, um, a word file, you've got a music file, you've got an email, you've got a music, whatever. You've got 100 pieces of electronic data in a row and each piece of data is poured through a hash generator the way I've just described. I've just shown you on screen and the output creates a unique string of the data that's gone into it. And I imagine the hundred pieces of data all scrunched together and put into one block at the end of the row. And that block at the end of the row poured through a hash generator again. And what that means is that changing any piece of input data by the tiniest amount anywhere along will change the output data. Now imagine that block moving up a line into another row. And on this row, you've got a hundred pieces of data again, music file, Word file, PDF, etc. Each one of them poured through a hash generator, each one of them creating a unique string at the end, all scrunched together with the block at the end, poured through a hash generator and moved up to the next line. And what it means is that every piece of input data is creating a unique final output. And what it therefore means is the tiniest change anywhere along the line of each one of these blocks, which are in a chain, hence a blockchain means that you, it is almost impossible to change and keep the output the same. And that's the concept, I believe, of blockchain. That's the first concept. The second thing relates to the distributive nature of it. Which, um, and I could, perhaps, Jonathan, you can talk about the democracy of this in a moment. But the distributive nature, if I was, again, I like to sort of give the, give the, um, the, um, uh, the analogy of imagine you're looking at the John Lewis website and you're looking at you want to buy something you, you, whilst they may have a mirror of that website on a number of locations in reality you're really looking at one website and you choose your fridge etc etc the point about blockchain technology is is that there is no one point that can be attacked it is replicated across machines depending on how the blockchain has been set up so someone trying to hack in and change data has got to change data throughout on all these inputs and change all the hashes, which is impossible. And at the same time, they've got to change it on all the machines which are in the blockchain holding the data. So you, one plus one, it's, the idea is it's impossible. And hence, any data held hmm. is immutable. I think that is that's oh, how very I- Very close, very close. I do the immutable. Yeah, the immutable part is a little bit um, debatable, right? Because um, I'll, I'll just add in, there, there's a question here about, um, you know, the fluidity of this different data and, and how it is in terms of boundaries and, and things like that. So we've, we've obviously got a little bit of a script, right, in terms of what we're going to talk about and things like that. So let's try and answer some questions, but at the same time, follow our script. Yeah, so yeah. so the, next, the next kind of part was to explain to you a little bit more about distributed or, or democracies, but I'll bring it into, into the question. Um, blockchain is really about four things. Um, it's about identity. It's about the product. It's about the ownership. And it's about the currency, how you purchased it. So if you take these four areas of identity, well, 
we need to provide KYC, we need to provide some sort of um, identity and blockchain is potentially a solution for that. We'll discuss more about what blockchain is a little bit more to those who don't understand, but identity is very important. So putting people into the blockchain is tremendously important. The product, what that is, so it could be an investment, it could be a property, it could be a, a bicycle. It, the product itself, where does it come from? It could be diamonds, it could be blood diamonds. So obviously blockchain is very involved with the supply chain aspect of products. Um, the ownership part, you, you might have heard of smart contracts, things of that nature, but it's more than that. Blockchain is about um, who owns what and how can you track um, who owns it. And if you've got 10 pounds, have you spent it twice or just once? Because in real life, we just spend it once. Once, then it's gone. So that double spend is very important. The contract, who owns it, and which identity owns it is very important. And of course, how did we purchase it in terms of currency? And sometimes it might not be we started with bartering, then it became currency. Maybe it will become a hybrid of both. Again, um, we can trade assets. So the, how to answer the question and, and also explain a bit of blockchain, um, whether you are... Um, territorial in your, your rules, um, each territory is gonna have its own laws. Whether you are territorial on identities, um, in South Africa we have ID books, right? So we actually have a barcode. Um, citizens have accepted it. Um, this is what we do. We have a chip in our, in, in our ID documents. We've accepted it. So government can track and see who we are. That kind of identity is very, very important because the blockchain can only look at things that are in the blockchain. So when we come to how contracts or how a, a property um, can be exchanged, how the ownership can be exchanged, we have to talk about having these four things in the blockchain. And the rules for all the territories thus have to be in the blockchain. So let's just say, uh, let's say we want to contract between you and I, Neil, maybe we're gonna have a bet. Uh, right, a, a, a stock is going to go up by 10 points or down by 10 points. And, and we, the blockchain has to have the, the share, the amount in the blockchain. It can't call out and say, let's go to CNN and see what that share price is, because that is a point for, for fakery. So somebody can hook up a URL to fake the CNN's website and return a share price that is wrong. So everything that we do in blockchain, we talk about trust and immutability and smart contracts. Whatever we do has to be data that is fed into the blockchain that we can begin to trust. Um, so in terms of how territories would evolve and how contracts would evolve across territories, you can see there's a huge undertaking. We have to get governments territories, um, contractual agreements. We've got to get all the nuances from different territories all involved in the blockchain process and within a blockchain. So it's quite a huge undertaking. Yeah, I, I think actually um, we've, I've got, we've, we've got two questions here, one from James and I've got um, a, a Q&A who's, who's described himself as a blockchain skeptic about the process of conveyancing and how it will speed the map process up which I can come on to because that's, of course, what, what we're very interested in. So we're going to, we're going, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But can I just look, one this is, so you won't be able to buy and sell without being in the blockchain. <laughs> okay, so, so I think it's worth showing you in a moment. We're going to show you in a moment how actually we execute. The, 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 the key, I think, for my, my personally, a 
about blockchain is this is that i've gone to conferences and i've seen people um sit in the audience and they don't know what the bloke on the stage is talking about and they go on the stage saying blockchain is amazing it's amazing and the guy they sit people are nodding their heads and they're nodding their heads and if you say something is great enough at some point people will start to believe you and i think that is actually could be what's happening people are saying it's great but don't necessarily understand it now my view about blockchain is that you don't need to know how it works you just need to know that it's there it's a bit like when you buy a car you don't walk into the mercedes garage and say i just want to understand how this engine is operating you just you just know it's got a mercedes engine under the bonnet and blockchain in my view is the same thing you won't actually need to know how it works in detail i've given you my my rough explanation of how it operates but i believe that businesses which are not blockchain based will lose credibility and it's a stamp of authority and it's a stamp of integrity and transparency and i believe that's where it's all going so um, we have a question here i'd like to deal with um without it's buy and sell without being in the blockchain like the mark of the beast okay so um obviously i said we've got id and we've got a barcode here and that sparks off different things but remember that blockchain is a democratic system it's democratic in the fact that we will begin to trust in nodes and nodes are just computers it's just software that's running and the software that runs node to node communicates together on a common consensus so a consensus would be something like you know is the block a certain size does the wallet address exist it's got rules and and we call it consensus rules now at the moment we trust the bank we go to a bank and we say they ask us what's your bank account number we supply proof of address um, these kind of things, well, you can't buy and sell without proof of address. You can't buy and sell without certain regulations. Now, blockchain is just taking the same world that we're living in and trying to distribute the power. Who are you? How do you prove you are you? So why don't we have a bunch of computers that can all prove who you are and not just one institution and no other institutions can prove who you are? So. In terms of that question, I'd just like to point out that it's actually blockchain is providing a much more democratic, transparent way of dealing with who you are, what you buy, the rules around buying, and what you buy with. I think, the, I think if I can add in there, because a lot of people don't necessarily um, appreciate this, is who owns, the who owns a blockchain? And right. hence the democratic ownership of it. If you look at the Bitcoin blockchain, no one owns cryptocurrency nodes, the computers around the world verifying the data, the transactional data. Because no one owns it, there's no big brother. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's a key point. And that's why, yeah. you, that's why the, where the trust comes in, because there's no one manipulating the answer, because everyone, every node which may be under all sorts of all very many different ownerships, each computer is verifying the data that's gone in. To understand that a little bit better, um, the internet at the moment is what we call a content copying driven framework. When you send an email, you're sending a copy of that document, you attach it to the email and you send. It then stores it on an SMTP server. Um, that server then relays it to your SMTP server and you download it perhaps on your device. At each point, there is a copy of that document. So it's a copy of a copy 
of a copy of a copy. And if you download MP3s, you have a copy. If you download a video, you have a copy. The internet is built around copying. Blockchain is a new paradigm. Blockchain is not a copy of files and copy. It's a singular version of that file that you then move on. So imagine the video in the, in the blockchain sense would be a video is stored in a block and you're given access to that video and you stream and you look at it. There is only one copy of that video. So in terms of understanding you know, about piracy or understanding um, you know, proof that that video was created by you, um, the ownership or the contractual movement of that document or that file, it's a new paradigm. So it's just important to understand that blockchain is, it could be used as a layer that underpins a new form of internet. It's not necessarily just something on its side that is connecting with, you know, bitcoins, you know, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's a few questions um, about the cost of blockchain and is it just one technology? Right. So um, there's, there's no cost to blockchain except for what you would go by using and installing a, a computer. So, you know, you've got free software, there's free software, you can download it, but unfortunately you have to go and buy yourself a laptop to run it on. So blockchain is very similar. There is no charge for using blockchain. You can download it. I can actually share my screen and show you some blockchain, uh, Bitcoin, if you like. I'm just going to do that quickly. Um, I'll show you that it's completely free. Um, here I am, I've just installed on, on this hard drive. I'm going to share it now. Share screen. Here I go. Okay. So what I have is I've downloaded a file and I'll show you where this file sits. Um, there it is. This is welcome to Bitcoin. This is it. Um, all this talk about blockchains and nodes and peer-to-peer <laughs> -peer communication and hashes. Well, all it is, is these two files here that sit on my computer. And is it free? Yes, you can go and download it. And in fact, it, it wants you to download it. Because if you've got a node on your server or your machine or your laptop, you are part of the network verifying all transactions and blocks in the world. So we're currently sitting at I, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of blocks. Can we just tell people what a node is? Because I know right. you, you and I this, know. But. Right. This is a node. Now, remember the way we talk and how we use language, right? So that, that's very important. A node is purely representative. It's a virtual abstract term representing this file that you see here and the fact that it's on one computer. So a node is equivalent or interchangeable with a computer running the, the node software. So that's what a node is. So in effect, so, in effect a node, you've, people may have heard the term a miner in the, in the um, Bitcoin network. A miner is operating a node. A, a, a node, yes, correct. A node is a piece of software. Here it is. I can run it. And uh, when I do, it just sits there in a nice black window, right? We, we, we techie people don't care much about UI sometimes. Um, so the node runs and it's communicating just like your browser communicates with a website, it's communicating with other nodes and it broadcasts itself. It says, I'm available on port 8336 or whatever the port is, just like HTTP is port 80. It just says, I'm here, I'm part of the node. Uh, I am a node, I'm part of the network. Can I please join? And because of the democracy, 
of Bitcoin, because it's an open blockchain, it will automatically accept your node. And when you do so, your node can then be run. So if I run a command here, for example, I will type Bitcoin client, and I'm going to go and get a block hash. Let's pick 100,000. So I know there's way more blocks than 100,000. I'm going to go and get the block at 100,000, and you'll see I get a, a long hash. This is what we call a hash. What I'll do is I'll show you a little bit more of a UI that uh, makes it a little bit more clearer what this is. Here's 100,000. I'm going to search on blockchain.com. This is a blockchain explorer. There's something there. This site cannot be reached. That's typical, isn't it? <laughs> blockchain.com is down. Right. That's very, very interesting. Okay. Um, it's probably not the nodes. The nodes are definitely not down. Um, we'll go back there in a second. What I'll do, though, is I will take this hash. I uh, will show you just now on, on the um, website um, exactly that it aligns up with this. But for the moment, I will go and get the actual block. You're going to now see the contents of a block. So that means transactions get bundled into a block. And you're now going to see what is inside of a block. This is very technical gobbledygook, right? It's just numbers and, you know, there it is. But this is height. 100,000, this height we refer to as the block number. So, so that's the height. Um, we start from zero, it's right at the bottom, and we just build blocks one on top of the other, um, like bricks, and we just build them all up. And this, we're now at height 100,000. So you'll see that there's a TX here, which is a transaction. And here are transactions. There are four transactions in this block. And remember, as Neil mentioned, that all the data is hashed to be placed into that block. Uh, Jonathan, I, I, Jonathan, I think people may not quite follow. Can I? Sure. Because they don't understand, people are maybe confused what hashes are. Can I, can I, sure. can I go back to simplifying it slightly for people? Sure. Because we've got, Alan is, our, is still not clear what blockchain is and give him some uses. And we've also got some questions about sure. um, the conveyancing process. As I, as I, I would like, to, as, if I can give you, in, the hashes represent data in the way I explained earlier. In, in terms of, and therefore the best way to conceive blockchain is, well, is that it is a database that can be relied upon. And I, I would say that is the key base to it. Right. In terms of, and I'm, and I'm going to show you some examples, and I'll talk to you about some companies who are actually using blockchain, but I'm going to do another poll because I think this might be quite interesting. Um, let me see if I, how I do this. How do I do the next poll? Right, poll two. Here we poll two. I'm just going to launch a poll. The best known application for blockchain is cryptocurrency. Of those viewing, who's bought a Bitcoin? Has anybody bought a Bitcoin? You should people. No, let's have a see. Has anybody bought a Bitcoin? Okay, so clearly most people. Let's have a look. 83%. 83%. Nearly everyone's. We're up to 49. Don't be, don't be shy to vote, everybody. Okay, so let's, I'm going to end it there because it's, given, it's given us the answer. Look, 84% of people have not bought um, a Bitcoin, right. which I'm not at all surprised about. But let me follow that up with another question because I think then this will help 
answer. Wait a minute. Do you this will stop others? Uh, what have I done here? I think I can, while you're doing that, I'll just address, um, still not clear what blockchain is and what uses it has. Um, just address that very, very quickly. So if we talk about something like um, email, um, right in the very beginning when the first guy had the first email client or when the first guy had the first fax machine, we can basically say he's an idiot, right? He had nobody to fax to. Um, you need people, you need a connection, you need companies involved, you need people involved for anything to be connected and for anything to be useful. And just as we use email, not just for how it was intended, blockchain will also be used, not quite maybe how it was intended. Its major uses are the four things I mentioned, which is IPOC really, it's identity, product, ownership, and currency. So these kinds of things, putting documents and products within a blockchain so we can ensure that there's only one copy. We can ensure that the supply chain um, to you, that that bicycle or that diamond that you purchased, we can prove the ownership. So we'll talk a bit more about that. But the useful of, of the use use of blockchain is really taking this horrible world we find ourselves in with forms and paperwork and audit trails and regulation and bottling it up into a technology that can prove um, ownership and prove more things and make it more accountable and a bit more transparent. Okay, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, um, Jonathan, can I ask you to stop sharing actually for a moment? Sure. Yeah. Um, let me just, because I'm going to come on to some of these questions that I think relate to property. So this is the result of the second question I said. Of those viewing, have you used something, business or otherwise, where you are aware blockchain is being used? And look, 78% have said no. Now, the, the, the reason for that is because blockchain is still relatively new. But there are companies now starting to use blockchain. And in many ways, for the reasons that Jonathan is mentioning, and I'm going to mention to you, some a property example in a moment but the ones i'm aware of just to give you some example and i'm sure jonathan will load no loads is for example walmart walmart are using blockchain now and this is uh, and i was um interested to read, they're scanning mangoes and the idea being that if they get a bad batch of mangoes in they'll be able to refer to their blockchain ledger and see straight away where that food came from and make sure that that that, that, that input of mangoes from that particular farm no longer enters their food chain. Fed, Federal Express, they are using um, blockchain as a way to solve customer disputes because they're tracking, no doubt, deliveries. And because the blockchain data cannot be challenged once it's actually been inputted, it's actually, if they say that the parcel went out on such and such a day, it went out on such and such a day. It cannot be changed. It can, they cannot log in and fictitiously change the data. You've got um, IBM who are, are very, um, who, who are, I believe are using blockchain to a large extent. They're helping food suppliers like Nestle and Walmart D and DHL are using it in pharmaceuticals and so on. So it is being used. Now the question is, why is it not being used in property? Well, the truth, the, one of the key things about property and one of the key things about blockchain that I've seen is that you may have started to um, see various companies now arising, throwing the word blockchain at them, blockchain around 
simply in order to make a noise and actually raise money. And there's lots of there's been lots of hype around blockchain. In fact, in watching the World Cup, I was amazed to see that there was an advert talking about controlling your home, the heating at your home, blah 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 blah, blockchain enabled. Right? I mean, I don't why why <laughs> I can't. There's no reason for it. It doesn't matter. But by but clearly a company had thrown blockchain at the end of their advert mm. we are blockchain based and they want to make a big noise so a lot of that is going on the the it's worth going it's worth um going back to one of the one of the parts of the process i mentioned at the very beginning about the house buying process and this is what i think is going to happen and then i'll show you how a real life example of how we've used it i talked earlier about when you buy a property you go you have to approach a mortgage company. But we all know today that you have to fill out forms. It takes weeks and the mortgage company then send you back an offer, et cetera, et cetera. What will happen, I'm sure, is this, is that I'll be standing in front of Jonathan's house and I'll say, I'd like to buy your house. And Jonathan say, fine. And I'll say, hold on a minute. I'm just going to get a mortgage offer. And I'll get my phone out and I will press a button on my phone and it will send a request off to mortgage companies. And the mortgage companies will have a rule set up what's known as a smart contract, a rule set up which will say, if the person asking for a mortgage has a certain credit rating, we are issuing him a mortgage offer. And they will be able to, so I'll press a button, it'll fire off to the mortgage companies, the mortgage companies will pull that data about me from other sources. Now those other sources will be on blockchain ledgers. So if someone asked, is there just one blockchain? There's gonna, there's, there'll be loads of blockchain ledgers everywhere. So they'll pull that data off one blockchain ledger, which the mortgage company can rely upon, which already says that I'm good for the money. That will automatically mean that they'll say, right, we're gonna issue Neil Singer with a mortgage offer. Instantaneously, I will get a mortgage offer on my phone and I'll say, okay, I'm happy with that. I'll press a button, the mortgage offer will be accepted and the money will be issued. And that is what's gonna happen. And that's just one part of the process because the mortgage company is relying upon a database that, that, that is secure, it's able to react accordingly. And that's what blockchain is all about. So what has that done? It's removed the mortgage broker and it has removed probably some process, some administrators at the mortgage company. It's made the process cheaper and it's made it faster. And that's the key to it. The, now, the, 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 there is one overriding consideration in my view about blockchain is this. It won't make a bad business a good business. And I think that is the key to everything. Now, it's worth explaining what we do at Click to Purchase. Some of you will know and some of you may not know because we've been asked about the conveyancing process and will it speed up the conveyancing process. With Jonathan's help, we already created a business which allowed people to exchange contracts online. I'm gonna share with you my screen. When we launched the blockchain, can you, I think everybody should be able to see Dorothy House. Dale, can you see Dorothy House? Okay, so this is, this is the a property which was sold in October last year, just after we had plugged in the blockchain ledger to our business of click to purchase. Now click to purchase was a business that we'd already built where you could make an offer online and then the offer could be accepted and it would create a digital contract online. So in terms of speeding up the conveyancing process, we were already speeding up the conveyancing process. We put this on the market, I think on a Monday 
or a Tuesday and it was sold by Thursday. And the way it was sold is by a local dentist, I think it was, cleared money laundering with us, went online, made the offer. We found out the client, do you want to exchange? He said, yes, we pressed the button, the deal was done. Now the deal was done by, this is the dashboard area of the system of click to purchase. And in the dashboard area, you'll see that this says that the offer was made of 700,000 pounds on the 5th of October at 12.36. This is the memorandum of sale. This is the contract that was created instantly when we actually accepted the offer. Buyer, seller, price, etc. Now the key to it is the, it, we made this legally binding by creating hash signatures. Now at the very beginning, I showed you what a hash is. It's worth noticing something here. The buyer signature, the reason it's legally binding, it basically takes um, all the data relating to that particular party. We encrypt it, and then we, which means we, we convert it to gobbledygook, and then we hash it. And we do it in such a way that it abides with European law, and we create what's known as an EIDAS regulated signature. The hash is the unique representation of all that data. So you can see here the buyer signature is 409AB. If I go back into the system, you'll see 409AB. Can you see that here? Hopefully everyone can see that here. The blockchain recording this transaction, our blockchain is here. Notice here, 409AB. This is one block in those multiple blocks which I talked about, recording the transaction of the of Mr. Mustafa Makabir, I think he says his name, and he says that he exchanged the contract 1342, 5th of October, for a building at Wicker Hill Trowbridge. Now, we haven't got in here the actual, um, we can't, we actually, I think we're going to put it in here with the actual um, money that it was 700,000. What we've done is we've recorded the event. We've recorded it in a way that if anybody were to hack it and to change our change the 700,000 to 800,000 red lights would flag and it would no longer match the transaction that went into the blockchain so what we are doing is we're recording the event and the point about it is that by recording the event in click to purchase we're providing proof of transaction now, so in terms of speeding up the sale process with our particular instance no, it hasn't speeded up the sale process. Click to purchase is what's speeded up the sale process. Blockchain has recorded it and created a record which can be relied upon. Where, and I think what's very interesting is where it's going to go from here. Because um, in terms of, I think, I think as I'm talking, I've had some questions coming about the legislation. In a nutshell, we've done 200 million pounds worth of sales in this way. We're fully, fully legally compliant. We've never had a failure of a transaction. And, and EIDA's signatures are valid. Are valid, are legally compliant. Legally compliant. So in terms of, here's a question, has legislation been passed to accept these signatures? Well, it has now. But mm. if, if you were to, you've prob people have probably seen a DocuSign signature. That is not sufficiently compliant. If we were signing a contract using DocuSign, it would not stand up in law. EIDS signatures at the level we create, and that's really the trick. That's what we managed to do as a business, are legally compliant. But that the, the compliance of the signatures doesn't really relate to the topic of blockchain in a way. What we were already doing this before we launched the blockchain ledger, and that is the key. But where it's going to go, in my view, and, and um, please jump in, um, Jonathan, with your view. 
where it's going to go and the people always people always ask me about this we when we exchange a contract online we lock down the data room the data room at the point of that this property was purchased the data room is sealed all the documents the contract etc is in the data room when that party wants to sell the per, sell the property to the next party they want to transfer that room that room of data onto the next person i always think of it as like noel edmonds in that show what was it called Cool. Deal, or no deal. deal or no deal. Deal, yeah, deal or no deal. He's standing there with his box, right? And you know there's something inside the box, but you you don't know what's inside it. Think of a, think of the ledger. You know this. You know the contracts inside it. You know all the legal contract, all the legal data inside it, but you haven't got the key to open it. But when I agree to send it to the next party, I will, in an in electronic way, provide access to that box. I'll pass it over to the next party and they will take all the legal documentation at the point that the property was first purchased. And it'll be far easier and quicker for the solicitor to interpret the data because it'll already be there. And then there'll be systems in place whereby the additional data, which has occurred between sale one to sale two, is fed into, a, I suppose, a box that sits next to it. So the point is it speeds up the sale process enormously. It makes the lawyer's job far easier. I, when I, I actually was interviewed by Michael Cross of the Law Society magazine at the beginning of the year, and he asked me about um, blockchain. And I said, look, I think lawyers should probably be aware of it and um, embrace it. And I got a tirade of abuse online. <laughs> and the best one was someone who said blockchain is unadulterated nonsense. And that's what a lawyer said to me. And, you know, I wasn't getting into an argument. It was, I, he thought I'd invented it. I wish I'd, inve I wish I'd invented it. So, but I, where it's going to go, where I believe it's going to go, is it's going to, the, the government, going back to one of the questions at the very beginning, the government will tokenize the land registry. What that means is there'll be a unique representation of the title. So rather than title number, it'll be an electronic title number is the best way to describe it. And when I sell the building, the contract will transfer, the little digital ownership will transfer, and the digital ownership will link to me. And because it's in my wallet, I'll have absolute proof that I own that property. So when I sell it on to the next person, they haven't got to start doing land registry searches, they haven't got to go and check databases. They, I just show them that I've got, the, I've got the token on a ledger in a way which proves that I own it irrefutably and you want to buy it off me, I'm passing it on to the next person. And that's where it's going to go. But what we've done as a business and what Jonathan has created um, for us is almost as far as we can go at the moment. Um, we can't go... We can only go, we can't transfer ownership. We've focused on the exchange. And the reason we focused on the exchange is because you often hear people say, oh, it's taking me ages to exchange this contract. You never hear anybody say, oh, I exchanged the contract. It's taking me ages for the thing to complete. Hmm. It's the exchange is the key point. But what will happen is we'll do, the, we'll do the exchange, we'll take the government's token, and the lawyer will then complete the transaction. And at the point of completion, that token will maybe move permanently into the wallet of the purchaser so the process of sale will speed up because of because of the ability to rely upon data and because of interactions created by blockchain but if someone has created a business using blockchain technology and it's a bad interface and it's people don't like using it and it's too complicated 
it doesn't matter that it's blockchain based. It won't matter. It won't speed up the process. It's got to be the, the application of the business, in my opinion. That's, that's what I think. Okay, to so answer the question, yeah, the UK land registry isn't fully digitized. Well, yeah, we, we're, we're living still in a, in a paper world, aren't we? And the sort of dream of, of paperless has been around for, you know, ever since first computing came in. And we've never really had a technology to, to really enforce it or, or supplement it or aid it to, to grow a paperless. And so if you take the internet, it's almost contradicting it. Um, you can make copies of copies and send them around and then people have to print it and then fill it in. And we've only got very, very basic form filling type software and everything is copies of. So, where blockchain is trying to move us to, let's, let's say it like that. Uh, the technology is not perfect yet. The technology is not ready yet uh, in all intents and purposes. But for the first time, we've got a technology platform that allows us to move to paperless. So imagine you have a wallet and it's on a USB stick or on a card and you've got a wallet. It's just digital wallet. And I can give you something. A bank can give you a credit score and it's placed into your wallet. Somebody can, you know, you buy a house and it, the ownership is placed in your wallet. If that wallet is duplicated and distributed across millions of machines around the world, proving that your wallet is secure and safe and that it's all legitimate, then you are storing digital. And because because the registry is not all digitized yet, doesn't mean that we wait around for them until they do. Um, the click-to-purchase system, because we concentrate on exchange, we are building up data of ownership movement. And that ownership movement um, is is as good as sometimes. If you want to reflect, if you have a history of a property's movement over time, and you can track and audit and track that detail, who sent what, when they sent it, when the contract was made, who owns it, it becomes far superior. So it's really about dragging, I, I see it as dragging governments and dragging registry into this modern era. And, you know, whether we think it's going to happen in a year or five or 10, different people will disagree, you know, experts will disagree, but it is moving this way. So in, whether you're a solicitor or a property person, you have to have some part of this in your thinking. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of questions, actually. Someone said, what do you make of Seabury's proof of concept use of blockchain for leasing? I have, I'm unaware of that, actually. James, if you, could you, if you put a comment up, give me a bit more information about that. I'll come back to, I'll come back to you on that. Couple of questions. GDPR. Someone said about GDPR. Well, interesting enough, hmm. the point about GDPR is, is if someone wants their data to be deleted, you have to delete it. That's one of the rules of the, of the new GDPR. Remember, the data going into a blockchain ledger cannot be deleted. But what you can do is you can add it into the add it into the data stream in such a way that it can only be viewed by certain people. So what we do at click to purchase is unless you are party to the transaction, you would know you'd be able to see the hashes which represent the actual um, transactions occurred, but you wouldn't know what the transaction was. There's also more there's also a technology um, 
or, or, or a paradigm being built around this called an oracle um, where certain authorities will be able to go in and actually make modifications. Um, so there, there's a large debate whether that should be there or shouldn't be there, but in terms of GDPR and understanding and your right to forget and, and all of that stuff, there are things coming into play. Yeah. Here's an interesting comment. The very last, um, I'm going to come on to one of the very interesting comments just made, but a couple of other things just to help, just to answer a couple of questions. Correction of data. Someone said, can you correct data? The answer is no. So, it, it, and in fact, this is again, one of the um, advantages of blockchain. So what we do at click to purchase is what we, we record the transaction, but equally with the new money laundering regulations, we will record the events of you asking a buyer if they, um, for information to clear them for money laundering. So let's say you want to buy a booting off me. I'm using the click to purchase system and um, I clear you for money laundering. I've, I've asked you appropriate questions. That action is recorded in the audit trail, which gets recorded in the blockchain ledger. Let's say the police knock on my door. Mr. Singer, you know that booting you just sold to um, you know, Mr. Smith? He actually was a drug dealer and you didn't clear him for money laundering. And I would say, absolutely, I did. I went through the process. Here you are. I've actually got proof that I went but of the course, process. But, but of course, you went through the process, but who's to say that that data was correct when you pushed absolutely. it in? Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's technology. There is technology being invented around the space, and we're calling it off-chain at the moment. So basically, if you can imagine, like your banking system at the moment, um, it flags random transactions where a person will manually, even though it's a very automated system, where people will manually get a transaction flashing in front of them, and then they have to do due diligence on that transaction action, do some, some integrity on it, and then process and allow that to carry on. So there's always manual, um, you know, in anything, in anything, you need somebody's eyes to look at it and to see, you know, what is right. So what we call off chain is when people come in and say, okay, before before transactions, before we know who you are, um, we, we think this is right. There might be still people, and you might, we, we might have a new role. You know, who, who'd have thought SEO webmasters would be a role 20 years ago? You know, so there might be a new, new job role. Somebody who verifies data that's about to enter the chain, verifies, checks everything, and then confirms so that the data is correct. And, and this is the kind of role that you will find, you know, bouncing up and, and everything is going to change towards that goal. So even if blockchain cannot cater for incorrect data now, the chances are it will. And remember, these, these things move very, very quickly. And I think, yeah, and one, one of the reasons we, got, we wanted to get involved it's because you wanted to have a seat at the table as, as this was evolving. We didn't want to watch and wait and see. We had an opportunity to use the technology for um, real life example, real life um, situations now, not tomorrow. And it is evolving. It is still relatively new. Uh, I, I mean, I get a lot of requests. I get a lot of requests from people saying, can you build me a blockchain for this? Can you build me a blockchain for that? And of course I can. But the thing is, is it right? And so the, we, we advise probably 90% of people to say, no, no, you're not ready. You, you know, it, it's not ready for you or you're not ready for it. And, and that kind of honesty is not really everywhere at the moment in the industry. Instead, what you're getting with ICOs and, and all of this is you're getting a lot of people saying, we can build, we can transform the property industry in 14 months. Give us money.
And that, that's kind of, you know, where it is at at the moment. So we're, we're faced with the real technology, what it can really provide, the, the dream, the utopian society or democratic, however you want to look at it, where, you know, things are digitized and in the blockchain and it's all great, right? Okay, so, so that's that. But then you, you're getting people who believe that so much that they're asking you to part with your money so that they can make that happen where it's unreasonable. This industry is going to take years, if not a decade or more, to completely evolve. Um, however, with saying that, there are certain areas, let's take identity, where there are already solutions out there that proves your identity, it has KYC process, it's being used. Banks, we have a consortium of seven here in South Africa that ran a trial, um, ran a trial blockchain with transactions and processed the entire country's worth of, of processing in a day. So we've got huge strides that are coming in. IBM has a, a fantastic blockchain. They've got clients just coming on board all the time. They're also trying to prove the case for blockchain. So at the moment we're, we're in the proof, uh, you know, making it, you know, is it right? Is it good to do for this industry? What we've done a click to purchase, when Neil said, well, when I convinced him that blockchain was worth even learning about, um, after that, we went through some, you know, well, how do we apply it? Do we go the holy grail? Do we spend three years building a huge blockchain, trying to convince the deeds office, trying to convince who can we get involved? Who's going to take our nodes? Who's going to be part of it? Do we shove it on the Bitcoin blockchain? Do we create our own blockchain? So what we decided to do, and, and I think this is good advice for, for anyone wanting to get involved, is you start small, you iteratively get involved. So it might be, look, let's go and get a Bitcoin wallet. I'll put 10 pounds in it. Yeah, Let, let's just understand what it's about, um, see what it is and just invest a little bit of time and energy understanding it. That's, that's probably a good thing to do right now. As click to purchase, we thought, okay, why, how can we build something that's blockchain that has real value that adds value to the already existing amazing clicktopurchase.com exchange already the processes that are there the accountability the transparency that's there what is blockchain going to add to it so what we thought was what it can add is verifiability what if i as a developer i log into the server and i can i can go to clicktopurchase.com i can go to the sql database and I can make a modification. I can open the database and I can change the amount. I can change the name, the address. I can modify it. Now, all systems, that sounds scary. It is. All development systems out there are pretty much based around that concept. Developers logging in and sorting out that bug. Um, they're logging in right now to your bank account and sorting out that transaction or making sure that transaction is cleared by looking at an API or some programming interface. Do you trust the developers that are in control? There's a lot of hacking. Do you, can you trust them? So with click2purchase.com, what we're doing is we're taking the, the bidder, the buyer, we're taking the seller, we're taking their data, we're hashing it, we're putting in a blockchain, and we're saying that the SQL, the SQL database that's there, is exactly equal to the hashed content that is in the blockchain. So if you took a note, if you said, Neil, I would like a click to purchase node. You would set one up for you very cheaply. You could have a node and you could be 
an oracle. You could be somebody that says, well, well, hang on, let me go and check whether that data at the point of purchase is correct. And with a little bit of, yeah, I know it looks like gobbledygook, but a little bit of commands, you can, you can get somebody to help if you're not too technical. You can discover that data, get the hashed value, compare the hash value to the click to purchase system, which I cannot change, just to verify that the developers behind the system have not tampered. So what we've got now is we generate a CTP file. It's a click to purchase exchange, a contract. We put it into the blockchain. We send one to Neil, who keeps it offline. We send one in the cloud, which keeps it off uh, uh, in the cloud. We can compare all three copies. The buyer and the seller get their copy too. So now there are copies, which is the way the internet works, of this contract. But the, the hash of each of those contracts is exactly the same. And you can go to a blockchain and, and you can verify that that file that you have is the file that has been recorded on click to purchase. And when you decrypt, we've got a special feature that decrypts, you can upload your file or anyone's copy and you can upload, to the, upload it to the system and it will decrypt your copy and verify it that it is the same. You can, you can upload the buyer and sellers at the same time and it will compare both contracts to make sure that they belong. And that kind of power, there was a question there about, you know, can we prove, you know, uh, in terms of legal uh, things that this existed, that it, 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 you know, is it verifiable? Can you go to court and say, well, yes, you can, because you've got more than a piece of paper. You've got a PDF. You've got a document with all the data within it that is verifiable by all parties. Um, it is tamper proof in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, must, I just want to thank everyone for these questions because it's actually making it very interesting. Well, for me particularly. It's great, um, yeah. Um, there, was the, a, there was a question actually that someone said, does it, make, does it help the bad guys? Um, where was it? Someone said... Someone said... Sarah, data integrity, yes, absolutely. That's very important. Uh, criminality. Well, every technology, right? There's criminals right now using email. They are using it. Um, I think Nigerians are sending <laughs> more than anyone else sending these, uh, you know, um, emails. We, we all know what they are. So, you know, email, do we stop email? Um, we can't. We rely on a document. Think about this. We rely on a document that was sent via email and we think it's that person. We think it's that person that sent us the email, but hackers can obfuscate the email. You could think that it's an email from me. It looks like it might be, but it's not. And so we're trusting in this kind of technology already. Uh, uh, Roberts has said, aren't the benefits of blockchain tra transactions overshadowed by the fact that it will facilitate criminality? Well, actually, I disagree with that, but the, I know why you're saying that. You're saying that because people talk about cryptocurrency and everyone who's Everyone automatically relates cryptocurrency and blockchain as the same thing. They're not the same thing. Cryptocurrency is just one application of blockchain technology. It's the best known application of blockchain technology. But I, in terms of criminality, if I can give you an analogy, people talk about bitcoins being used to buy drugs and uh, money launder, etc. It doesn't mean that the system of blockchain is at fault it means its its use is at fault it's this, it's no different to going down to the cash machine on the corner of the road taking out some cash 
and buying some drugs off the bloke on the other corner. It's exactly the same thing. You can't trace it. You don't, it's cash. You can't trace it. It's the same thing with Bitcoins. It doesn't mean, though, that taking your money out of a Lloyd's cash points shouldn't be correct. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's just the actual application of it. So I think that's very important. I've had another question that says, does blockchain recognize all currencies or only Bitcoin? Bitcoin, as I said, is one cryptocurrency using blockchain technology. We even thought about uh, bringing in some use of cryptocurrency in click to purchase click to purchase is an execution a legal execution system we don't take the money we could we just use currencies in the exchange it could be a pound it could be one bitcoin but we choose not to use it but in terms of is big is bitcoin the only currency there's something like 700 cryptocurrencies i think uh, more than that there's about one there's about i've got a slide for that um <laughs> i've got a slide for that somewhere um there's about 1,500 cryptocurrencies. Oh, wow. I think there's about 700-odd fiat currencies. So we're really taking over in terms of currencies. Just to explain the relationship between a currency like Bitcoin and blockchain. Um, blockchain is just a technology like um, email. Uh, SMTP servers, you, you may or may not have heard of them, but SMTP servers is what relays emails around. Um, you might be using Outlook, or, but Outlook is a client. You might be using your device, which is mail or just called email, but it communicates with a server, um, usually via protocols like IMAP or SMTP, and it asks the server, do I have any more emails? Do I have emails for me? It logs in, it gives a username and password, and then gets emails for you. Now, in the blockchain, uh, um, it's not really that different in the sense that it's communicating software from one to another. And blockchain is just the technology to facilitate. Now, on top of SMTP, we get email, but you can also get other protocols. You can, you can send other types of data through those protocols. So if you take the internet, we can upload a file. We can view a website, we can upload our image, we can do posts, we can upload a picture of a cat, right? So we can do anything on the protocol of the internet. And blockchain is a protocol. Above that protocol, the, the use of blockchain, you can apply what is known as an asset in blockchain and use it for what you wish. So Bitcoin, they use the concept of an asset, which is built in within that blockchain, and they call it a Bitcoin. So other people will copy that code, that, that blockchain, copy it over, rename it, call it Bitcoin Classic, and put their own you know, logo on it and create their own blockchain with their own currency that sits on top. So you get different types of blockchain platforms, you get different types of currencies, and different currencies can sit on different types of blockchain. I don't know if that's made it any closer to understanding or worse, but Bitcoin and blockchain are entirely different things. Um, yeah, but a lot of people didn't realize that actually. Or, um, it's, a common, it's a common misconception. Right, let's talk about conveyancing. I've been asked, how would click-to-purchase work in everyday buying and selling with Chain? Well, click-to-purchase is already a business which is, which is running. We've, we've done something like 200 million pounds of transactions executed online. Somebody makes an offer, the offer's accepted, the, the conveyance occurs online. It's agent-operated or vendor-operated. But it is, the solicitors are involved in the process because the solicitors will put together the legal package for sale. 
and they should also vet that they're happy with the legal package that's available in the data room. It's it, going back to that point I said earlier about the box and seeing the documents inside, you'll still need a lawyer to interpret the documents. It doesn't mean because each it doesn't mean that somebody should be buying a property. They may feel the type, they may feel that there's a title issue that um, the previous owner took a view on. So the law is still involved. But in terms of will click, how is click to purchase actually working in the conveyancing world, it already is. We're already doing the conveyancing. The, exchange, the, the um, item I showed you was, was the first exchange online. There's been numerous since. What's interesting is that solicitors are now in touch with us who actually want to start trialing the use of click to purchase to record their transactions in a digital format recording them in, a, in blockchain ledgers. Now they, they don't actually need to because if a solicitor, you know, one solicitor trusts another, they say, should we exchange? And the solicitor says, yes, I'm exchanging. I'm good, for my, I'm good for my word. I'm going to sign the contract and you're going to get it in the DX tomorrow. So solicitors can do verbal, I think they call it formula B exchanges, but it doesn't create an audit trail. It doesn't create digital signatures. It, it, it exposes them to criticism by having the whole thing digitized it actually gives them an audit trail which they can rely upon and it is where the world's going and it's, it's, already, it's, already it's already happening with us and we're just the first, there'll be others. Where we go to from here, of course, Jonathan and I have got a roadmap of what we're trying to do and we can't tell you all our secrets, but it's developing and we will continue to develop it further and um, we, we would love to be the industry standard. Someone said, at the moment, we are the industry standard because there isn't another system out there. Someone said earlier, why has it been so slow in adoption? Well, not, I mean, blockchain, forget click to post blockchain. The reason is you've got to remember that the professions of law and the professions of a state agency and property generally are notoriously slow to change and are notoriously slow to adopting new technologies. And we happen to be first. And one thing about the prop tech industry, which I've come to realize in recent years is if it doesn't put money in your pockets people won't use it and there's been a downturn in business for most businesses in the last year and that has driven the interest in prop tech and that has driven the interest in blockchain because blockchain is just part of the, the tech prop tech world and i think people are viewing it as a solution so i think you're going to find that people are starting to adopt more and more. I mean, for, from, our, from, the, from click to purchase, as well as being used by ourselves, there are other agents now using it. And um, we're also, we're not just in the UK, we're also in Ireland and we've got plans to go into some other countries um, shortly. Um, so I think you're gonna find that the whole movement of tech, the pace of change is what's so interesting. The pace at which it's, in, it's jumping forward, I think is, is, is sort of blown me away actually. And I think the, the other thing is, is that I said this to um, a very nice uh, group of young surveyors a few weeks ago who were, wanted to learn about blockchain and they were very, very interested to listen. And, which was, and it, was very, it, was, um, it was a very refreshing experience to hear the positive feedback. I said to them, one piece of advice I can give you is that you're being taught by 50 year olds how to operate in today's world, the way they operated 25 years ago. And what you have to think about is the world is not the same anymore. The world has changed and it's changing very, very quickly. And that, so the young generation of, who've grown up with computers and phones and 
and, and understand it and, um, and appreciate the, they, there's an immediacy. Youngsters all want immediacy. They don't want to, they want to buy something. They want to buy online straight away off Amazon. They don't want to wait. And that's sort of where the property industry is being pushed. And there's no reason why not actually. So that's, I think where that's, I think that's why I think, I think the adoption of blockchain technology has been, hasn't been perhaps as quick as people may have expected, but you've got to remember it's so new. There are many businesses that I've seen, which are complete nonsense businesses. As I said to you earlier, there's one business which has, I think they raised 10 or $15 million um, to enable people to buy buildings around the world on a blockchain by trading tokens between each other. I think it's, since they raised the money, I've not heard anything. I think it's complete nonsense because it bypasses all the problems of buying relating to each country's own individual law. And so blockchain is not going to change that, but people are trying to promote that it will, but it, it, it won't, you can't, it won't. So I think it's really quite, I think you're going to find in the next six months, businesses will be adopting it. I also am aware that the large agencies and the large property companies are now very much focused on investigating and understanding and exploring how it will help them because it will help them. It's not going, it's not about putting people out of work. It's about helping people. Well, well I think the, the technology is, I mean, 2009 is when the white paper was released. So, 2009 is also, I think, when Chrome, the browser, was released, the first version. And, you know, Microsoft dominated back then. So Internet Explorer was, I think, 87% of the market, that kind of thing. And now they, they 8%. And Chrome is the 87 You know, it's, it's switched around completely. Don't listen to my percentages, but it's roughly. So Chrome came from nowhere. And pretty much everybody uses Chrome. Right? There are Firefox people as well. We won't forget them. But of course, that technology within nine years has changed the way we use the internet. When Before 2009, people were debating, why should I log in to a browser? I mean, we were just surfing the internet. But within a short space of time, we're logging in. We've got a, a Gmail account. The Gmail account controls everything we do with Google. Contain, contains our advertising, our cookies, uh, it stores our bookmarks. So if you go into your device, your bookmarks are there. You've just searched for it on your desktop, but there it is in your bookmarks already or in your history already on your device. And it's become normal. And when the credit card was being used online, the naysayers will say, I will never use my credit card online. It's insecure, I'll never do it. And technology now, I don't know anyone who doesn't. HTTPS came along and said, well, now it's a little bit more secure. Would you do it now? And they said, well, we need a, a different version of HTTPS and they did it and then we're all using it. And in the space of 15 years, 20 years, I think, thereabouts, we have gone from majority of people not using credit cards online to the majority using cards online. That's 20 years. Blockchain now, you could argue, is in its 10th year. We've got 10 more years to go. Is it going to be as significant as that? Yeah. It could be. It could be. Yeah. Should we answer a few more questions? 
I've got, there's an interesting poll that I've just put up. Let me just share everyone's results. Because this is this in some ways um, shows it, it's what people's view. Look, I've, can, I think everyone can see this now. Who's got the, who's got the most to gain by embracing blockchain? Buyers and sellers. Um, at the same time, I'm going to clearly 74% think buyers and sellers. Let yeah, me that, show that's you. a that's a good poll. That that's good. That's it. well. I think I think that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think it's true. I'm going to show you. I'm going to. I've got my last last poll. To, let's see what people think of this one. Who is the most to lose? Who's winning? Banks are winning. Solicitors. It's supposed to be a win-win thing. This blockchain. <laughs> now you see, you see. Look, this is very interesting. Look, people. Maybe this is why I had this tirade of abuse from solicitors when they. I don't. Can you can you guys see the poll as it's actually ticking forward? Have I no, no. it? Okay, so give it a couple more. Let's let's. I think any more votes, please. Okay, let's publish. Let's share the results. Look at this. Most people seem to think that solicitors have got the most to lose. Um, that's interesting. That's interesting. I think. I I don't know if that's true. Actually, I don't know if that's true. There are there are some forms, you know, some types of solicitors who are a little bit more at risk than others. I, I think that possibly true. I think there will be, you know, when we said uh, machinery are going to take over the earth and automation. Um, yeah, we lost a lot of jobs, right? We, we lost a lot of jobs that we just don't have now. Um, there are less jobs in all kinds of things. And, and, and soon we're going to have less truck drivers. Soon we're going to have hopefully less SEO experts. Uh, you know, we're going to have changes and it's always changing. So if the solicitor loses out, there will be a huge gap, a huge kind of market, a job market opening up for their kinds of skills. And that could be in the, the auditing, the training, the, um, you know, the entire process, the workflow being oracles. I think there's a lot of scope. Um, it might not just be a, a thing to lose. It might just be a change of focus or, or, or dramatically how you do your, your work that might change. You see, I think it's interesting. It says to people of view that solicitors have a lot to lose. I actually, I, I, you know, again, I'm not, I just think the solicitor's role will change. Solicitor, in the same way that there are now artificial intelligence um, uh, machines at software around, so rather than hire young solicitors to read all these documents, if you're doing a huge deal, they can, they can be flicked through and in within, sec within minutes or seconds, you can have a summary of the document by AI now. Well, I think that blockchain will help solicitors. They won't have to scramble around for documents. They won't have to check the ownership in the way they do at the moment they what they will do they'll have all the information available far more quickly and far more easily and their role will become one of interpretation in fact surely for solicitors it's actually more interesting to just interpret the data rather than spend the whole time collating it so actually i think that um solicitors i think solicitors who don't embrace hmm. the changing world will 
have huge problems. I think that's a very important uh, point that you made. I, I, you know, w when you started out with, with being a website developer, let's say, you might have had to open Notepad or something, you know, command line console and type every single little HTML code and JavaScript raw to build that website. And when WordPress came along, everyone thought, well, now everyone will be able to build their own websites. Oh, the website designer is now gone. And it's not, it's flourished. It's, it's actually the reverse. Um, companies don't want to build their own websites. They might want to, you know, add a bit of content here and there, but really, you know, they'd rather have some, somebody who's been trained, who knows what they're doing, make the modification to the website. And WordPress has become a tool for developers to use and yes it does you know dissect that designer market a little bit but really it's just the tool to make the web designer that little bit better you know he can design from a higher level um, which saves time more people have websites and and so on and I think the solicitor's role you're quite right documents you know AI using uh, you know, giving you a summary of the document, um, automated replies via emails, all these kind of things are just tools. It doesn't mean that that, you know, that role is entirely gone. Yeah. So anyway, that's what we're doing with blockchain, everyone. Um, if you would like any more information, let it make contact. If you want to talk to me or Jonathan more, again, make contact, put you in touch. We'd I mean, I think we'd love people to get involved, actually. If there are people who are interested in um, working with us in terms of the blockchain that we've created, if they are interested in taking nodes, or if they've got any other areas they'd like to work with us, we'd be delighted to hear from you because we want to keep our position and engaged. We don't want to be a follower. We want to be leading this. And hopefully you, anyone watching, can lead with us. So that's, I think, thank you very much. We've been online for quite a while now, actually, and it's been great having all these questions, I have to say. So that's it, Jonathan, isn't it? Are we, I think we're... Anymore? Yeah, I'd also like to extend and just say, you know, anyone who wants to talk, we, we build software um, of all kinds, not just blockchain. There's, there's other technologies out there. Um, we actually did an AI auction uh, inside of clicktopurchase.com, uh, which is quite interesting. So, yeah, we do all kinds of things, and it doesn't have to be bleeding edge either. Um, so, yeah, the invitation is, is open. Yeah, and if, um, anybody, if, anybody would like to, if anybody would like an introduction to Jonathan, because you if you don't have his um, details, again, please do get into touch it'd be my uh be my pleasure and like i said jonathan has helped us enormously uh, one last thing following recent conversations regarding role changes how do you see agents role changing ha hmm, good question a, well i think agency is going through an enormous change and i think people are only just beginning to realize it we for those of you who are not in well, you, you will know because you've, got, you've heard from me from Singavia. We're investment agents. We are a seller of, of property. We do very, very little acquisition of property. The agency community has traditionally been a combination of buyers and sellers where the buyer would receive a fee from the, from the purchaser for introducing the property. Going back, I would say, eight years, when we first put a Google Analytics tool behind our website and we saw the world reached reach is when we realized that the world was changing in terms of access to data and access to buyers and sellers. And 
we felt that the only way forward was to create a sales-based agency. What's happening today is agents are still operating in the way I did 25 years ago. They are phoning up a client and saying, here's a building, I'm offering it to you just before 50 other people, can I please have 50 grand? It's a, it's a complete nonsense. That, that, that role was fine 20 years ago when access to that data was difficult, but access to that data today is very easy. So my personal view is that agency is going through a huge change. And I think that brokerage is disappearing and disappearing very quickly. And I think the role of the agents will be one of a seller or an advisor in the same way as the solicitor, you'll be interpreting the data. So I don't think you'll be, there'll be many brokers around anymore. In terms of the role of the estate agency in the high streets, I think actually my views changed. I thought it was all going to go online. I think that the likes of Purple Bricks, what they've actually done is they've driven fees down to a level which is unsustainable. And in fact, there was a report not so long ago, I think by Deloitte, saying how many estate agents are going out of business, which is a huge number. It's a combination of the downturn in the market and the fact that fees are being squeezed left, right and centre. So my view about whilst I did think that all agencies, stages were going to go online, I don't anymore. I think that it's to do with the quality of service. You can have a best online business around, but if your online experience for, the per, for your clients is poor, your business will go out will not last it's about quality of service and i think people are almost beginning to realize that they need to pay for the quality of service and you pay more for quality of service so in fact at singer we actually are not the cheapest agents when it comes to fees because we, we like to think we give a higher value service in terms of our marketing so that is how i think the agency role is changing i think it's also safe to say that uh nearly every role requires a lot more technical ability than before and it doesn't go amiss to to be more you know it literate and more uh, you know uh, more engaged with web or blockchain or, or any of that and if, if you think back neil to to when you embraced the web you, your advantage if, if i can call it that was because you embraced the technology and you rode the wave a little bit by moving ahead with it um, if you, if anybody has not ridden that wave and is only now, you know, using standard website kind of things, you're behind it. It's, it's a, it's a moving market, isn't it? Yeah, it's moving. I mean, I did, but I didn't do it to be a, um, to change the world. As I said earlier, I just mm. did it to, to make a living. I did it to win business. And that's the key. That's the key. It's about, it's about making a living and, I think originally, I mean, you'll you'll know the facts better than me. But when blockchain was first conceived, it was all about this um, the idea of a uh, from the Silicon Valley part of the world trying to remove Big Brother in the process, and because transactions and identities and things could be done online. Yeah, the yeah, the motivation of Bitcoin. Yeah, it's that openness, isn't it? it it's it's um, we don't want to, you know, we don't trust banks. You know, we, we want to be in control instead of having, you know, a wallet which, you know, um, is owned by um, an institution in the sense. Right. Um, if you took your transaction download and went to the bank and, and modified something and went there and said, no, this is the real transaction you know, they won't believe you, right? Because they hold, you know, the record. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, Bitcoin came out of that, you know, why do other people control it all? Um, why isn't it a little bit more open and a little bit more democratic? And I think that that opinion is, is going to carry through in, in many businesses 
And over time, I think people will get onto that, that, um, that gravy train or, or, or that mode of thinking. You know, we should be a bit more open. We should be a bit more transparent. Uh, corruption, all that kind of stuff. We, we, we should be. Um, the, the, the collapse in financial institutions and property markets, uh, you know, things like that. Um, we, we should be a little bit more in control of, of things that we own and things that we do. Um, well, also, you remember, it, it, the concept arose just after the financial crash. Was and it Northern Rock that sort of time, wasn't it? It was about, two, well, it was 2008, wasn't it? So it was, it was as the yeah. banks went, it was as the world went pear-shaped, hmm. and I, the trust in the banking system went, didn't it? That's the whole yeah. point. So what, the whole point about blockchain was almost removing the banks from the process. So, I mean, that in, in essence, is if you're an agency that is not open, then you're against this tide of, of movement that the world is feeling. Um, you have to be more transparent. You have to be more accountable, more transparent. And I think from a business point of view, the more open you are, um, it, it's got to be an advantage now. The more closed you are, is definitely a disadvantage. And I think blockchain, at least having some form of involvement, you know, um, and understanding that democratic world um, is, is quite a good thing. It's quite a good thing. Yeah, and actually it's very interesting. So we, we, we've been talking for an hour and a half. Thank you very much, everybody. Um, we are CPD accredited. If anybody wants a CPD certificate, drop us an email. We can issue that. Um, to you, but hopefully you just found it interesting anyway, without the need to be um, bribed by getting your CPD certificate. But it's, thank you very much for your questions. It's been um, really interesting, actually. Really interesting. Actually, I should have had a last slide saying who thinks it's interesting. <laughs> I should actually I haven't. I haven't had a. I didn't have a poll. Though I think there's a way you can all put your hands up. Is there a way you can put your hands up? If everyone put their hand. <laughs> anyway. Well, hopefully it was interesting. So thank you very Thanks much. If anybody's, anybody's got any, any, um, any more questions um, offline, always make contact. And if you want to meet Jonathan, drop me an email. I'll put you in direct touch. Jonathan, thanks very much. Thank you, Neil. Thanks, okay. guys. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. Bye.